podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I pray that you are strengthened and encouraged by today's message. this opportunity to share about the spirit of truth and love. The spirit of truth and love. There's a lot of confusion in our society about what is truth. We can't even figure out what biological people are anymore. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of, you know, everybody claiming to be this and to that and people claiming to be animals now. You know, it just... You know, uh, uh, it's, it's amazing what we've come to in a lot of ways. But I think it would be fair to say that our culture struggles with truth. We struggle with being confronted with reality. We struggle with who we really are on the inside. And <clears throat> we don't really want to admit what's going on inside of us many times. So many people have selfish motives. And this is what's happening a lot is a lot of this identity struggle, a lot of these, these uh, and it could be just in, in general, you know, uh, but a lot of it's because we have a selfish agenda on the inside that we're trying to promote. We want people to reflect our image and not God's image. We think if we hear a sound bite, you know, that that proves a point, that if somebody can say something really cool in 30 seconds, they must know what they're talking about. Right? If we can get it just to a few points and a few words, then that must be right. You know, we think uh, if we make enough noise, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're, if we're loud enough, if we're louder than everybody else and we drown out the voices around us, then we got to be right. If we say something enough times, then it's right. And that is not the truth. You can say the same lie over and over again, and it will never be right. But what is the source of those desires? What's inside of us actually causing us to want to, to just try to prove our point? That we're trying to make our way. Could be a good source, it could be a wrong source. Have you ever believed something so strongly and you later discovered you were on the wrong side of this issue? <laughs> you not really understood what you were against. Maybe you didn't understand something. It could have been a theological thing. It could be a social, political thing. And then you're like, man, I really didn't understand why was I believing that so much it's easy to be deceived it's easy to 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 yield to what's around us in John 18 37 Pilate says something to Jesus <clears throat> excuse me therefore Pilate said to him so you are a king and Jesus answered you say correctly I am a king for this purpose I have been born and for this I have come into the world. To what? To testify of the truth. That's interesting. He just asked him. He's going to ask him what is truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And John 18, next verse, he says, Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? And after saying this, he came out again to the Jews and said to him, I find no grounds at all for charges in this case. Paul was not, I mean Paul, Pilate was not a believer. 
He was a secular Roman head of that area. Pontius Pilate, prefect. He asked what is truth, but it's not just about facts or ideas. It's not dependent just on feelings or desired outcomes. It's about source and it's about purpose. And why did Jesus say he came into the world? To testify of the truth. All those generations before him, people had moved away from God's word and moved towards their own laws and their own standards and away from the truth. And if God was speaking through Jesus to us, we need to listen. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't respond to his question. It seemed like a good opportunity for Jesus to wax philosophical, right? Well, you see, truth is, he doesn't say anything. Why is that? His character is the answer. Who he is, who he was, and who he is going to be is the answer. He doesn't change. Even a Roman official realized that the character of Jesus was greater than the lies and the envies of the Pharisees and scribes. Even he could recognize there's something different about this man. There's something different about what he's saying. He doesn't even have to defend himself. There is a humility of character, a purity of purpose in being in the truth. And in Jesus' case, he is the source of truth. Even beyond what we can perceive or understand. Now there will be times in our life when we, God presents us with the truth and we just can't get our minds around it. That's okay. That's okay. We don't have to have complete understanding to be obedient, right? We don't have to completely understand all the ins and outs that, that God gives us the ability to choose and yet he's sovereign over things. We don't have to understand exactly how all that works out. Our mind may not be able to understand exactly how that works out, right? But we can know that it's the truth. There's something about the way the truth is that just is different from all other statements. There's something about it that sets you free when you believe and act upon it. So Pilate asked a question that many people ask, what is truth? Let's turn over and this is going to be our main uh, text for this morning in 1 John chapter 4. And we're pretty much looking at the entire chapter here. Because John is linking the truth, the difference between truth and error, to love. And you think, well, what does truth and love have to do with each other? Well, John's going to explain it to us. <laughs> what is the link between truth and love? 1 John 4 Verse 1. John is very to the point. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> he doesn't waste a lot of words. He says what he says. And uh, it confronts you very, very directly. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved. He's speaking to other believers, right? To this church that meets in a house. Beloved, don't believe every spirit. That kind of should be something that's obvious to us. Don't just believe everything you hear. Don't believe every influence in your life. Don't believe every spirit. But test the spirits. Now he's specifically referring to uh, spiritual realities and principalities and powers that would try to influence us through either directly or through other people. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
The other day, my mom called me and said, I got an email from PayPal saying that I bought some Bitcoin. I said, Mom, let's look at the source. <laughs> Send me that email. <laughs> I looked at it. Oh, they had the PayPal lo logo. It looked really official. But I could tell even just looking at the graphic that something was a little off. And uh, you don't generally buy Bitcoin through PayPal. And I checked all our bank accounts. No withdrawals have been made. They just want you to call this 805 number so they can get it worked out for you, right? Right? I said, Mom, don't call that number. That's like Northern California. You know what's up there, you know? <laughs> I said, it's that. It's probably routing to another place and somewhere else, yeah, you know? But the thing is, is it's, it's, you, the truth, it can look like the truth. It can look like the truth, but you got to test it. You got to weigh it. You got to do a little investigation. If people would investigate links before they forwarded them on Facebook, there'd be a lot less Facebook. <laughs> right? There's a lot of things that people just, oh yeah, I'll post that. I'll do that, right? And it may not be true at all. I said, Mom, don't don't believe them. And in fact, don't don't <laughs> don't even just delete it. You know? Don't even respond because you'll get three thousand more of those things. Beloved, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There is more than one spirit trying to deceive you. He speaks about it in the plural. More than one. The word for test here is to scrutinize, right? Try to figure out the quality and the source. It's actually a word used to try to figure out if something's gold or silver or iron. I mean, you got to look at it. You can't just look at it from a distance like, yeah, that's gold. No, you got to look at it. I found fool's gold in a stream up in Alaska, and it, it did look like gold, and it, it wasn't gold. <laughs> there was something off about it, right? It didn't have the weight either. <laughs> but it's so easy. We have to test it to look at it. We often spend more time, think about it, look at the resources to confirm the truth. We spend more time examining what we buy than what we think about. We'll do more research on Consumer Reports before we purchase a TV than about an idea that's been passed on to us. Test the spirits. We can stop right here, and this would be a good thing to leave with. But we're going to see how it applies to love. It applies to your entertainment as well. Social media, what you put into your mind. Your eye is the light. And if you are shining things within you that are only leading to darkness, what kind of habits are you going to develop? What kind of person are you going to become? What you read or, or, or do on social media. You ever notice that the whole shorts and YouTube feed, and it's all those feeds, it like starts off like a regular video, and the next one's a little more edgy, and the next one's a little edgier than that. <laughs> it goes quickly down a path to try to get you to, to devolve into things. Should we participate in an activity without scrutinizing it? If you're going to join an organization, shouldn't you know what they're about? A little more? Would you eat or drink something that even has the possibility of being dangerous? If I grab something out of my fridge and it just looks a little off, I'm not going to say it's 80% okay and only 20% off. I'll just eat it anyway. You know, it only takes 1% to make you sick. <laughs> right? I'm going to look at it. I'm going to say, you know what? It's not worth the four bucks or whatever, <laughs> throwing it away, you know. I think my medical bills will be higher than that if I take this. We have to have the realization that there are false prophets among us. Right? You know that kid's game among us that they're always playing? You're trying to figure out who's, who's killing everybody off when you're not. I don't play it, but I've seen people play it. <laughs> 
right? They've even made it into a game that you play, like in reality. Except people aren't really dying. <laughs> you know, but it's easy. There are a lot of false prophets among us. Anyone who promotes a lie, whether they actually believe it or not, is a false prophet. You know, there are actually people out there promoting things that they really don't personally agree with, but it makes them a prophet. It causes them to have influence over people. They might not even actually believe it. A prophet has to do with one who proclaims something publicly, not necessarily just the Old Testament sense. He's not just talking about prophets of Baal. He's talking about anyone who proclaims the wrong thing, because that word just means to stand up and declare something. There are false proclaimers among us. TV, media, wherever we're at. They have a mission to deceive, are themselves deceived. And do you know that you can sincerely believe a lie? You can believe it with all your heart and think, this is it, this is the truth. But the source is the key. Is it from God? Is it really from God? Test the spirits. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's interesting. Why does he suddenly go to the incarnation? Why do you say, well, if it doesn't sound right? Or he immediately goes to the person of Jesus. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. If they are promoting him and looking toward him, that he has actually come and been among us and spoke to us and revealed God's nature to us through his life, then that spirit is from God because a false spirit will not want you to know that. A false spirit will not put your mind towards that direction. It will not glorify Jesus. It will not speak of his work. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. What's the primary purpose of that message, that spirit? To promote Jesus or to promote something else? There could be elements of the truth to what they're saying, but that's not enough. It needs to be the whole truth. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. A lot of times when people say the word Antichrist, they just kind of think about one figure that, that will be at the end that everybody will be focused. But it's really a whole idea. It's a whole spiritual mindset to be against Christ. And if you're against Jesus, you're against his anointing, which is what Christ means in Greek, is anointing. You get him as the Messiah. You are anti-Christ. When you do things that are against what he is, you are anti-Christ. I had a professor who once said, he says, <clears throat> you notice the disciples when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, the only question that really mattered was, is it I? <laughs> and when God is speaking to you, you're like, am I the one betraying? Am I the one that is against the Christ? Because our habits and our lifestyle, our mindset can be very anti-Christ, the way that we live. This is a key point to evaluate spiritual truth. How do they view the person and the work of Jesus? You want to see where somebody's at really quickly? Like, you know, what do you think about Jesus? You know, it could either get you a tirade of <laughs> expletives or some new age philosophy that they might come up with about him. But, or the recognition of who Jesus was. 
It shows you very clearly what their source is. Why is it so important to believe in the incarnation that Jesus is God in the flesh? When God spoke, he spoke in the birth. It wasn't just the words of Jesus that was the message of Jesus. It wasn't just, he just didn't come to give a speech. He came to live as God among us and to go through our suffering, to go through, and this is something I hear a lot of, especially on the opposite side. We've been doing an apologetics course uh, kind of on Wednesday nights. I'm going to be speaking this Wednesday night on the resurrection, proof of the resurrection. But people will say, you know, God doesn't know. He doesn't know our suffering. He said, that's absolutely not true. If God is completely omnipresent and aware of everything, he knows everybody's suffering and experiences that suffering. That's what the cross is showing us. He does know your pain. He does know your separation. He does know your loss. All of it. Way more. You just got your own individual. He knows everyone's loss. He says, I'm there. I'm there with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He knows. No matter where you go, he's there. So his message was his whole life. Right? Not just the words in Matthew 5. His message was his whole life. And that's our real source. He spoke in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who is the Word of God. He is actually the Word of God, and our, the Bible is the revelation of that Word, of who He is. That points to Him. This is our real source as believers. Does your line of thinking, uh, does your line of thinking lead to becoming more like Christ? That's what I do whenever I hear an idea. I think I try to follow the logical conclusion of that idea. Will this lead me to become more like Christ? In the end, if I keep following this idea, this philosophy, will it make me more like Jesus? We need to be aware that there is a spiritual atmosphere around us that is anti-Christ. You need to have that awareness when you go out into the world. Right? When you come out of your prayer place or place devoted, you are realize you are going in among people who do not think like you. Who are not the children of God. There's a spiritual atmosphere around us that's anti-Christ against the anointed one. <clears throat> the one who sends the anointing to us. That anointing is not just power from on high, but it's connected to the person and work of Christ, the Holy Spirit. It's not God's power and presence is expressed through the love of Jesus. What I'm trying to say is his anointing and power is not apart from his character. It's not apart from his holiness. They go together. God doesn't just give you power like it's electricity to use however you want. He gives you power that's connected to Jesus to do what he would do, right? To live as he would live. And he connects truth and love. How is that power expressed? In our love. In our love, that truth is expressed because we're going to love because of it. You cannot separate God's character from his power. You could be at a church service listening to a pastor and not be receiving truth from God. I was at a particular church one time. I'm not going to name it. It wasn't in Odessa. <laughs> and this pastor gave this sermon that never once quoted any scripture. He never once turned to the Bible as the basis or really the person of Jesus very much. He read a lot of studies in psychology, which all those studies are not bad, and some magazine articles and stories. He didn't use anything. He only used those other sources. 
to prove this point that he had, but his point was not biblical. <laughs> it was not. And if your source excludes revelation from the life of Jesus, it's most likely a spirit of error. If what you believe excludes the revelation of Christ, it's most likely a spirit of error. He was not confessing Jesus as Lord as his basic premise. Let me give you an example of this. You'll hear people all the time post and quote when somebody dies that they go to be an angel in heaven. And that is absolutely not true. There's nothing in the word of God or in the revelation of Jesus that that's what happens to people. <laughs> he says it's appointed every man to die than the judgment. And Paul talks about us being greater than the angels because we've been redeemed. We're not becoming angels. <laughs> we are redeemed. There's a real resurrection. Angels are not resurrected. You know, so there's very clear, you got to look at the gospel and how it was lived out. But people say that all the time. Or they'll say the reason they died because God needed it. No, God doesn't need anything. God is sufficient. He, he wills to give things to people. He wills them to go through the journey, but not because he needs it. He is. He is all sufficient. But God wills things in your life not because he needs something from you. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our money. But he has allowed us to participate in his redemption here on earth. That's why we give. That's why we do what we do. There's nothing wrong with studies and articles. I read books and things. I really love science. I read these things all the time. But I do not base my life worldview on those sources. I base it on Jesus. I base it on the person of Christ and his work. If there's something contradictory between the two that I don't understand or see how it works out, then I go to Jesus. If there's not, but some things are worked out and God will reveal things in the end and I'm not worried about it. I lean upon the basis that Jesus came in the flesh and he revealed God's love to us. Verse 4, John 4.4. 4. First John 4.4. 4. You are from God, little children. That's something we just got to get inside. We're just little children. <laughs> we really don't have the understanding we think we do. <laughs> In this life, we're simply little children. We have not graduated. I don't think we even get to kindergarten here, you know. <laughs> we, there's going to be more. Ephesians talks about the ages to come, plural, of things that God has for us. That's exciting to me. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. They are from the world. And the word, the word he uses for world here is the word we use for cosmos. It's cosmos, but it's just the word for world, all of that which is around you, okay? Therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. The one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and by the spirit of error. People who are in the spirit of error most of the time don't listen to anybody. <laughs> right? When they're in the spirit of error, they just do not listen. There's no humility there. There's no willing to, to, to fall underneath authority of any kind. They just want the error. They want the promotion. They want their own selfish desire. And we're all susceptible to this. I am susceptible to this. There are things that I believe, and two years from now, I think, like, was I really basing that on who Jesus was, or was I just following my own ideas? We all got to realize where at any time we can participate in error. 
right? And the Holy Spirit will convict us. And by the way, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's because he loves you. Amen. Conviction is a way of God speaking to you, saying, I love you. I'm going to show you the way out of this. I'm going to show you what you did wrong and show you how to turn away from it. Conviction's good. Do not go away from conviction. That's the spirit of truth, confronting error inside of you. This passage, especially uh, he who is in you, a greater is he in the world, um, sometimes is misused. <laughs> if you look at the context of the passage, it's often used in a way that implies that Christians will always win in whatever they do against the world. <laughs> oh, God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Like if everyone on the team is Christian, they're going to win all their games. <laughs> Uh, but that's not what it's focusing on. What it is saying is you have the power to become more like Jesus every day, to walk in truth and love, even if the world is against you. Greater is he that's in you to become like Jesus. <laughs> not he that's in you to build the best rocket at the competition. <laughs> God may give you ideas. You may win that competition. God may have given you the ability to do it, but that's not what the point of this is. Win or lose, it's being transformed into the character of Christ and being obedient to Him because you are motivated to change the world around you out of love, not a desire to show them up. We're not believers to show up other people. God is with me and He's not with you and I'm better than you. We're not better. We all need a Savior. We all need the cross. We all need the resurrection. That's the truth that we can promote even if the world is against it. That's the greater than. The ability to do that. Does that make sense? I mean, you can still pray for your sports team. I'm not saying. You can still pray for them, uh, you know, but God does not have to answer your prayer if it's a team I don't like. You know, <laughs> He can do whatever he wants to do, right? But it's used that way. He calls us little children because we are spiritually little children, like I said was so much to learn. And that should make us aware of our need to keep learning. We will continue into eternity to learn of the love and grace of Christ. If the world is agreeing with what you say, be careful you're in the truth. If you find all your friends who don't, you're like, man, that's true. You're like, what am I saying here? <laughs> there should be some resistance to this. <laughs> I mean, people often did not agree with Jesus. <laughs> when he spoke the truth, there was this constant confrontation against what he was saying. Some people saw the truth of it, and some people did not. And it's usually the religious scholars and the Pharisees who did not see it. And sometimes it was the, the tax collector that did see it, because he was humble. And he said, woe is me, you know. The world listens to what they value, not what is God's will. We are from God. If you are declaring God's word in the spirit of love, and you're rejected, then that's a confrontation between truth and error. That's okay. We're, it's okay to be rejected for the message of Christ. The high school, I, I, went, I graduated from an all-boys Catholic high school in the American Samoan, an island in the Samoan Islands. And uh, it, <laughs> oftentimes I felt like the only believer in there because a lot of kids came to the school, not necessarily just Catholic. There was all groups. But I was constantly confronted every day of that school semester with, you know, living like Jesus. People trying to get me to do things, the wrong thing, trying to get me to speak a certain way. And it was a battle, a battle, a battle, and that's okay. The only reason I knew that I could do it is because the Spirit of God was with me. 
I knew that I was testifying. And by the end of that year, they were asking me questions. It took almost a whole semester to even begin to listen to what I was going to say. Not that I was preaching during lunchtime. I was just trying to live like Jesus. Help people with their homework who had made fun of me the day before. Things like that. Go the opposite spirit. When you are confronting a spirit of error, only prayer and fasting and the power of God being demonstrated can overcome this. You cannot often logically get somebody out of the spirit of error. You have to have prayer and fasting as your life. Okay? This is a lifestyle. It's not a once-a-year event. Prayer and fasting. In fact, if you can in any way adopt this practice, I would recommend that at least one day a week, even if it's just breakfast and lunch, or go to 3 p.m., don't eat, just drink water, unless you have medical reasons why you cannot. Just start to get into that cycle. Because fasting, I've taught on fasting here before, it just liberates so many things. And it's hard to describe it unless you're doing it, you know? It's like trying to describe swimming to somebody who's never been in the water. <laughs> you got to do it. It's got to become a part. But prayer and fasting will break that. If you see a spirit of error in somebody, quit trying to throw posts at them. It's not going to change them. It takes a breaking inside of them because of the conviction of the Lord. That's the only way. You can't reason with lies. You confront lies with the truth. You be the truth, you live it out, you pray and fast, and you leave the rest to God. Right? That is how we operate. You, nothing wrong with confronting it, but uh, confront it with your life as well. <laughs> Make sure the way you live. Verse 7. Beloved, let's love one another. He just starts going in to the love of God here. He leans into it. He's talking about spirit of truth and error, and then he just leans into the love of God. Because this love is what's going to transform people. Let's love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love doesn't know God. It's God's love. He's saying, if God's in you, you're going to want to love people. <laughs> Verse 9. By this, the love of God was revealed in us. Not just to us, but in us. That God has sent His only Son into the world so that we may live through Him. That is our life. Living through Jesus. Verse 10. And this is love. Not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also, we also ought to love one another. He just lays it out very simply. Love is the motivation of truth. Let me say that again. Love is the motivation for truth. I want to be in the truth because I want people to be free. I want to live in love. And they can't be free without that until they realize where they're at. This is why he speaks so much of love. Love is founded and anchored in truth. Love is not going to be based on lies. Right? If you say you love your spouse but are doing all kinds of things behind their back, that's, not, that's error, that's not truth. That's not love. You see what I'm saying? If you're lying to them about things, you don't really love them. You don't lie to people you love. Right? You don't lie to people you love. 
Can we really... Uh, the only real love is love from God that sacrifices the righteous for the unrighteous. Can we really love another person without first knowing that God loves us? We're not going to have that strength within ourselves. The truth is we have to know God, how, loved, how God loved us first. And that's the gospel. Right? That's the gospel. How God loved us first. While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. This is the truth. Then we can love others because we have a connection of God's love to share. There's not enough within us to meet the needs of the world. There's just not enough in you, in the natural, to meet the needs of the world. Right? Have you ever felt like that at your, just even your job? I just cannot fix all these people's problems. <laughs> I can't fix the problems in this building right now. <laughs> right? There's not enough. We love best as a community of love because that reflects the body of Christ. So we actually love best as believers working with other believers. As we come together to surround somebody, to pull them, to transform them, to be on them. All the, you know, you ever play that game where somebody's in the middle and somebody's trying to get out, like they try to run away and you keep holding them. I don't even remember what that name of that game is. <laughs> but that's what we got to be, holding hands. You can't let them get away. <laughs> Some of them want to run away. You want to be there for them. We want to be there every time they're, they're thinking about doing something that won't be beneficial. Be there. This reflects the body of Christ, the whole love of God. Our love for one another is a demonstration of the gospel. It's a demonstration. John 13, 35, what do you say? We will be known that we are his disciples by our love one for another. That is our testimony of the truth. The truth is being testified of because people see us loving one another. There's a truth there because they're loving one another. You see how those go together? This must be the truth. They love one another in a real way, in a, not a fake way, not a false way. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. When he says that, he's speaking more of the direct presence and total revelation of who God is, he's saying. Because we have seen him in, in, in Jesus and who he is, but he's talking about in like totally nothing between us and God because you wouldn't live through that. <laughs> no one's seen God, but if we love one another, God's in us. He remains in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in God, in him, and he in us because he's given to us his spirit. So it's not that just God that, that, that God just loves you as in he's telling you this. He's in you. I'm going to put who I am inside of you. I'm going to put who I am inside of you, my being, my purpose, my love inside of you. Because you can't do it on your own, right? He's given to us his spirit. That's what the coming of the spirit was in Acts 2. To be filled, and it says, for power to go out. How is that power demonstrated? If we want miracles and things like that to really start flowing through us, we have to love more. They flow through love. It says Jesus had compassion upon them. They don't flow to demonstrate that you have power. They flow because you love people. And I have sensed that difference. Many, I have prayed for people before that I was just trying to have faith that something powerful was going to happen. Instead of just loving them, and I pray because I love them. And then it seems like something more happens when I do it that way. But I'm not trying to prove that I'm close to God. Prove that I know God. It's because I love them. I have a genuine love. 
And I don't care if anybody hears about it or not, that it's known about. I'd rather just them see their life change and transform. Verse 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. Confession of Jesus as the Son of God is our testimony to others and our continuance in obedience, how we live. How does God want to be revealed? He decided to be revealed. That's why he says, you haven't seen God. God is not just appearing as a ball of fire in the world and saying, this is God. He didn't choose that way. He chose to come through his son, and he chose to do it through us, through our love one for another. Not just, and the fact is, if that, there was just the presence of God showing, and it appeared in the middle of the ocean, and it was gigantic, people still wouldn't follow God. I heard a commentator on this debate one time, he says, if he says, I would believe that Jesus is who he is if the stars spelt out Jesus is Lord in my telescope. I would believe that. But the fact of the matter is, you wouldn't. You may believe it in your mind, but you would still find a way. I mean, the Israel had the manifestation of God in the fire and the cloud, and they still walked away. Why was that? They weren't transferred from the inside. It's got to be on the inside of you. God just can't be on the outside of you. It has to be on the inside. The transformation, the fact is, is you would still go back to things no matter how much evidence you have unless you have to walk to him in humility to receive that fire, to receive it on the inside of you rather than on the outside. He wants to be revealed through you, his adopted children. This is our confession. We are his children because he has put his Holy Spirit in us. The Spirit testifies that Jesus is the Savior of all. That's something I like to declare. When I'm not feeling right about things, it's like, Lord, I'm your child and your Spirit's within me. Therefore, I can be transformed. I'm your child, your Spirit. Sometimes we got to say that out loud. <laughs> we got to say it out loud. Let's go to verse 16. We have come to know and have believed that the love which God has for us God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Verse 17, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, we are also in this world. You won't be wary of judgment because love is making you more like God each day. If you're really wary about the judgment, you have to ask yourself today, Am I full of the love of God? <laughs> right? I won't be so wary about this judgment. You are his regent. I went to a school called Regent, and the regent is just a representative of the king while he's away. A regent is a representative of the king while he is away. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to send you out, so you're his regents. We might use the word ambassador more, but a regent has more power. It really has the power, as he's given us power to do to proclaim the gospel and our actions. Remaining in God's love means having this one idea essential in your mind. How can I demonstrate God's love today? God will fill in the details. There's power in just having one central idea in your day. <laughs> How can I reveal God's love today? How can I go forth and demonstrate who Jesus is? Not how can I get through my schedule? 
right? And that's what we often do. We just have a schedule and we think, how do I get through this schedule? How do I make this much? And we make that be the central idea. But the central idea that John is talking about is how can I love? Maybe my schedule won't get done, but I may show the love of God. That's what's important. God can provide your needs. Maybe you don't make as much. Maybe you don't take as many calls. Maybe you got your own business and not as many customers come in because you're talking to somebody in the middle about Jesus and people don't come in. God gives you a time. But it's more important that they know Jesus than you make that extra money. And we have to get that as our central idea in our mind. What's the most important? God will fulfill your needs. He says, I know you need clothes. I know you need a place to stay. Right? God's going to take care of those things. But it's more important to witness. And the two may go together sometimes. God will fill in the details if you make him the central purpose. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. Right? And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Let me give you a demonstration. When children are little, most of the time they're obeying you because they fear punishment. Right? They don't want something taken away. They don't want any uncomfortable things happening to them. <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? Everybody starts off in the law. You've got to work into grace. I say work in the sense of mature into it. That's usually, you, you may become a believer because you just don't want to go where there's not believers. <laughs> right? But that's not how you stay in the faith. It's because you love God. Because you want to be more like Him, not because of some judgment at the end. And that's why He's saying perfect love does what? It casts out fear. There's something more to this. Would you follow Jesus if you knew that when you died, you just died? Would you still follow Jesus if you knew that this world was all there is? You just, the only benefits you get is following Jesus now. Would you still follow him? Christianity has to become that to you. It can't just be about fear of what's at the end. It has to be a genuine desire to be changed and transformed. To be a lo- you have to love God and not just fear punishment. When Proverbs talks about that the beginning of wisdom is fear, that's just the beginning. But he's going to form you into love. The one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I don't want to do something wrong because so much I'm concerned about the punishment of a certain sin or the, or the ramifications of it. It's because I don't want to do anything that's not like God. I don't want him to not be represented here. If fear is still a major incentive for you to behave, then you don't understand the love of God fully. Ask God to open your mind to what Jesus has already done. And you know how you do this? You need to read the Gospels over and over. Once is not enough. And I find a lot of times people just have struggle in their walk and love because they just simply not reading it. They don't even know what happened in Jesus' life. They just hear what they hear on Sunday. But you've got to read it for yourself. If you don't like read, listen to it on audio. Do it something to hear so you can know what to draw from. Ask him to open your mind what Jesus has already done. And that realization will drive out fear. You read 1 John 20 times in a row, 
love will start meaning something to you. <laughs> It'll start transforming to you. That kind of fear in Proverbs, like I said, is, is, is not living life. It's living life without God. The fear John is talking about is an expectation of judgment because you keep trying to earn your salvation instead of receive it. Let me say that again. The fear John is talking about is an expectation of judgment because you keep trying to earn your salvation instead of receive it. It's believing in your ability to do good rather than having faith that God loved you first. It's His love of you first that is your salvation, you understand? It's not because you started doing good afterwards. <laughs> You're not working for God, but God is working through you. Right? You're not working for God. You're not going to, like, if I have so much faith, I'm going to receive so much grace. That's not, the trans- that's not what's going on here. You're working out of love because God is working through you. Verse 20, two more verses left. Just stay with me here. If someone says, verse 20, I love God, he's going to be really, really practical here. <laughs> I mean, if this, is the, if this doesn't push your button and make you feel a little bit convicted, then you're not listening to what he's saying. Because <laughs> every time I read this passage, I feel conviction. Is this really how I'm living? If someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother or sister, is a liar. Not in the truth. Now he's bringing it all back home now. I told you about the spirit of truth and error. I've been talking about love. Oh, by the way, if you hate your brother or sister, he's not just talking about your literal brother or sister, although you may have a brother or sister you do not prefer. <laughs> he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister, who has, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's going to be linked together. There's going to be change. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. The real love of God will change us. How we live is the sermon of our life. Truth is rooted in real life results. That's why Jesus came in the flesh and demonstrated living in spirit and truth like he told the woman at the well. There's going to be actions. Love equals action. And listen to these next few words. I just want you to to get a hold of this. Action, love equals action. Action is living sacrificially to benefit others. Your time is not your own. We give it to God. God's your schedule. Okay? That is how we love God. God reveals what we are to do. God reveals how he desires to love through us. He will always, in, let me listen to this. If God is loving through you, this is what's going to happen. It will always entail getting into uncomfortable situations so we can help others. It's going to entail getting into uncomfortable situations. Getting involved in people's lives that you don't want really to be involved with. <laughs> Do you, <laughs> it wasn't comfortable or convenient for Jesus or the disciples to live out the gospel. I find no comfort or convenience in their life. <laughs> it was tough. You want to read Paul's list, you know, in 2 Timothy about what he went through? It was tough. The rejection that Jesus had, it was tough. What we're called to do is serve in love, not be comfortable. That's the truth that we all try to avoid. He said again, that is the truth we try to avoid. To not be involved with those around us. To just do our attendance. To just do our gift and then walk away. 
and not be involved. There are families in this church that desperately need strong believers to intervene in their life right now. They desperately need people to come along beside them. And Pastor Todd and Angela cannot meet all those people's needs. My wife with the children cannot meet all those children's needs. We need other people. And I'm not just saying how involved am I am in this church. I'm just saying how involved you are anywhere. If you see a guy at work, we had a particular employee at one of others. He had gotten out of Teen Challenge. He had gone, but he had come from alcoholic background. He had a relapse. The owner actually sent somebody to get him out of the hotel room because he'd been drinking for a solid week and bring him down to a detox facility. And then when he got out, he brought him to a different facility. He sent people over there to get him and paid for those guys' wages while they did it. That's getting involved. Seeing people with need, and you see somebody struggling, you get involved in their life. The incarnation is God getting involved. That's what the gospel is. And I'm not saying there's not a time to rest and recharge. That's what our pastors are doing. But a real rest comes from the motivation to serve. You can go on vacation and not be rested. <laughs> you ever had one of those vacations? <laughs> Jesus would rest and recharge, but he stepped right back into the fray until it cost him everything. The resurrection cannot take place without a death. I want to show just one personal experience with you. Just an experience in my life. As a father of three children... With two, I have now entered into adulthood. The most difficult part is being truthful in relationships many times. And their relationship with others and my relationship with them. It's not easy to tell it like it is. It's tempting to give an easy surface answer instead of really sitting down to talk to your children and even in humility admit that you don't have all the answers. Your kids have probably figured out by now that you don't have all the answers. <laughs> right? Children deserve the truth, not what is convenient to say. And so many interactions between parent and child is convenience. Just stop bothering me. But children aren't a bother. They're a blessing. And we need to take the time to interact with them. As parents, we have to anticipate the challenges to their faith and prepare them with truth before the lie is planted. They're going to hear things. Whatever your kid is telling you from what their friends are saying at school or organizations or on their team is only half as bad as it actually is. <laughs> I will tell you that from experience. One of our greatest responsibilities is helping them grow in their discernment of good and evil, of truth and error. You need to anticipate what they're fixing to hear and start talking to them before it. There have been a lot of children who've gone away from the faith because they find out something that their parents never even talked to them about. And they need to anticipate those things. Believe it or not, they watch what you do, how you make decisions, handle stress, react to others who've offended you. They watch all those things. If they see us love others as God loved us, they know to turn to God. They see you turning to God, they know to turn to God. The one that they see us love. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Jesus is the way that leads the truth that brings life. <laughs> yes. 
Jesus is the way that leads to truth that brings life. There's not another formula. And I think we don't really believe that many times. Believing lies leads to death. It could be a death of a relationship, your work, career, whatever. But believing lies will lead to death. There is no eternal life without knowing God's truth. We have to know His truth. I want to be the Lord to speak to me, even if I'm in wrong. God, keep speaking to me. Keep speaking the truth. I don't want to live in a false world. So now is a time uh, that I want you to do some application. All right? Ask yourself some questions here. I find that I often change when I just ask myself some questions. <laughs> why am I here? You know, why am I doing this? Do I believe what I believe because I want acceptance from others or because it's the truth? Do you go along with what your friends think that you know is wrong just because you want them to be your friend? Or do I compromise my belief because of the culture around me? Well, this is just where the world's going. I guess I just have to accept it. I just got to accept all this stuff. You don't. You don't have to accept it. It doesn't mean you have to be mean to people, but it means that you need to live in truth. What do we watch? What do we listen to? What do we participate in? What do we joke about? What do you laugh at? People, you laugh at, you know, you, it, it's, it's easy. I remember I had so many times when I was in that school I was telling you about, I had to walk away because of what they were saying or else say something against it. <laughs> One of the two. Do I love others because I'm trying to earn God's grace? I just want you to think about these questions as Karis is playing. You want to bow your head, you can, but just, just, just think about this. Do I love others because I'm trying to earn God's grace or impress God? Ask God to reveal the lies that we believe. And here's some of these lies. Maybe you're not worthy of God's love. I asked some of the guys at work, I said, what's the biggest lie that you often believe? And one of them said right off the bat that I'm in control of things. <laughs> And somehow I'm going to change the outcome <laughs> through my own effort. Another one said that, that I'm good enough on my own. I told them they were my research for this. <laughs> but maybe you believe a lie that you're not worthy of God's love. Maybe you're not worthy of your love of your own spouse. You may tell yourself that. Of others or your friends. That people are just saying things to you. Maybe there's a lie that nothing will ever change. Everything will remain the same. These are all lies contradicted by who Jesus is. While you were in rebellion, he gave his life for you. Let me share a lie I have heard the enemy speak to me personally. And it's usually when I'm tired. And I'll hear this little whisper. It's just been a long day, the end of the day. He'll say, there's just nothing left of you to give there's nothing left of you just an empty shell there's no more right and my response is either to start believing that yeah I've just I just nothing left of me man I just can't do anymore and just not and to become frozen 
into inaction. Then maybe something needs to be done, <laughs> right? I have to say, well, that just means I get to lean on Jesus more. <laughs> Sometimes a lie can be partly true. You can be really tired mentally and physically. That's not, not the truth in the sense. But that doesn't mean I have a right to stop showing love. Sometimes when people come to the end of themselves, they think, I just don't have anything else to give. The next person that responds, I just, I just can't deal with it. I don't have any love left to give because it's not your love. It's God's love. He can empower you beyond you. Beyond you. But you got to stop right then and say, Lord, help me. We often just don't ask. Help me right now to love this person that's fixing to come not be lovable. <laughs> right? Help me to love them as God loves them. While you were yet sinners, Christ died. As he was on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He was giving his life to those who were taking it. That's the Christian way of showing love. If you get pushed to that point. What lies do I see in the world around me? It's not just the lies that you're listening to. What lies do you see in people's lives around you that you're not confronting? I just can't deal with it. Just let them keep going down that path. I just can't. It doesn't mean that they're always going to listen to you, but it does mean that you should present the truth. What's around me? If you see everyone being selfish, let me tell you how to do it. This is spiritual warfare 101. If you see everyone being selfish around you, you be giving. Let me give you an example. Guys are complaining they didn't get enough of their paycheck. He said, well, let me buy your lunch today, man. Do something opposite of what they're doing. Maybe if they're tearing down coworkers, you find ways to encourage. They say, oh, old so-and-so, man, they just... They don't know how to drive a truck right. I said, but man, they sure are good at filling up the tanks. <laughs> I don't know, whatever it is. Do something opposite of the way they're reacting. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I hope that you are encouraged through today's message and that you'll join us again. 